Welcome to PSQH the Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Kumar, Editor-in-Chief of PSQH. On this episode, I talk to Janet DeLeon, CEO of Connect America, about how technology can improve senior care. And now, on to the interview. I'm joined today by Janet DeLeon, CEO of Connect America. Welcome, Janet. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. And um, I was wondering, uh, right off the bat, if you could um, tell me a little bit about yourself and about Connect America. Sure. Um, I joined Connect America in November of 2020, so it's been a little bit over a year um, after a a career, really, in what I think the market would call healthcare IT. So started with around EMR, shared medical and Siemens, and then migrated towards using some speech and natural language processing technologies with Nuance Healthcare. And then had the opportunity to do real-time analytics with uh, around respiratory and uh, ventilators and those types of things, which became very relevant in COVID, but did that with Bernoulli. And then joined uh, Connect America um, when I saw an opportunity to do something that had eluded many of us in our careers, which is actually to try to deliver some you know, high-quality care into the home. So let me just pivot and give you a little bit on Connect America. Mm-hmm. Um, As a company, we have over 900,000 subscribers, people that we touch in their homes, and we do that through multiple different technologies, um, emergency response type technologies, as well as uh, remote patient monitoring and medication adherence and an ever-evolving product set. So our goal, our mission, the reason why we do what we do is to help people age as gracefully and as independently as they can in their home. Um, We think that that's going to take uh, several different uh, types of products, technology, and people to get that done. But it's a a compelling mission. As you know, the market is uh, growing enormously. So a very dynamic place to be and a a great mission. Yeah, definitely. Um, So, you know, speaking of technologies, how, how do consumer health technologies currently neglect the needs of seniors? Yeah, it's a, it's an it's an interesting question, and uh, you know, I would I would look at it as many things in healthcare. Um, I've again spent my career and have been have seen many different products, and if you notice, healthcare tends to chew up and spit out technologies that have been adopted in other consumer verticals. It's just a longstanding trend, or it takes longer for the technologies to be in, adopted in healthcare. And I think there's a couple of different reasons, most around the workflows and the complex workflows of the, of the end users. But in this instance of the seniors, if we will, the aging or the folks that may be vulnerable because of chronic illnesses, I really think it becomes a design point. You know, in a tech world where you're looking to be a shiny object, you're looking to gather consumer attention, you're looking to be, uh, you know, compelling and memorable, uh, some of the things that are required in this market, you know, are not those things, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's, none of us wants to admit that we're going to lose our tactile capabilities as we get older or vision or hearing. Things become more difficult. And I think that those products that start with a design point of serving the elderly and vulnerable do have very good adoption rates. And we do see uh, that technology is adopted. But again, I think it's when a purely consumer product tries to go into a market where someone says, wow, that's a really large market. We should go there because <laughs> that's where yeah. your tech tends to run into trouble. Yeah. Um, what have you seen over the last couple of years as uh, obviously telemedicine has become 
you know, uh, commonplace, whereas before it was still kind of, you know, on, on a trial basis in a lot of places. Have you seen that as, as sort of, uh, you know, being a little more helpful in terms of, you know, connecting with, with seniors who maybe can't get into a doctor's office? A, a hundred, absolutely, a hundred percent. I mean, as again, as with many things in healthcare, um, typically the technology has been out there, but it took something, some kind of a wave, some kind of a compelling force to get adoption and use. And again, the technologies that were found to be helpful in COVID, I don't know that many would be considered novel or breakthrough, right? Mm -hmm. There have been virtual platforms out there for a while. It was the process of care that adapted quickly, right? And that process used the technology that had been out there. So I think that's why you're seeing that uh, adoption of virtual and telehealth. And there's no cohort of patients in multiple surveys who has embraced telehealth more than the senior. Mm -hmm. And on you know, ongoing surveys, they are the most vocal that they want to maintain that ability to have televisits, to have virtual healthcare delivery. Um, so I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about, uh, you know, remote patient monitoring and, and you know, person, personal emergency response services and how they're changing healthcare delivery. Um, I think that the, both technologies, whether it be personal emergency response or remote patient monitoring or medication, I mean, ba you know, if you think about it at a high level, basically what we're doing is we're bringing visibility into the home, as I like to say, in a non-intrusive manner, right? You can you can think of many things that are quite Orwellian, right? We could have cameras and things everywhere and, and right. follow people, and that's really not, I think, what's not what the consumer wants, nor is it what we want to do. So what we try to do is to get helpful, non-intrusive, technologies into the home. I think the market right now is, you know, especially in the elderly population, is it's very comfortable and adopts the personal emergency response, the getting help immediately. But what we also noticed in our platform, because we have, we take calls, we get 850,000 signals a month from people, is, you know, they were looking for other things. They were looking for services. You know, can you help me do things around my medication adherence? Can you help me you know, keep track of my blood pressure. And that's why we introduced remote patient monitoring. It's with, with us, it's frictionless. There's no complex, quote unquote, pairing that has to happen in the home. We're very aware that, you know, a large percentage of seniors simply do not have broadband. Right. And silly, another thing that you have to have in mind. So the seniors have embraced it. It keeps them from unnecessary encounters with what they, you know, view as sometimes a costly and a frightful um, healthcare system. You know, they're trying, they're trying to avoid that. So PERS helps us do that. And again, emergency response services does what they say. I mean, there's a, a tremendously high percentage where we save people. It's a, a reason why many people have long tenured careers here. There is a golden hour. There is an hour after which someone has an incident that if you can get services to them, they have an extraordinarily high probability of a successful outcome. If you can't get there in that golden hour, you know, that's where you begin to see uh, mortality statistics come in. So the, the data is uh, compelling. Definitely. Um, with uh, what's, what's, I guess, the, uh, the learning curve, because obviously, you know, some seniors may not be as up on technology as, uh, you know, folks who are a little younger than them. How, you know, how are you kind of uh, explaining it and getting them, uh, you know, up to speed on how to use these, these uh, products? It's a, it's a great question, um, and that's why we are. We, I never. I don't view that will this will ever be a pure 
technology answer. Uh, we do a lot of things with technology. We deliver technology. We try to deliver technology seamlessly, so we ship. Um, we have it so that when, you know, again, if our RPM solutions, when it, you, know, you when you take it out of the box, it works. It, has, it already knows where it is. It already knows who you are as a patient. Um, we then have, you know, live uh, resources. We have call center people who will call people and check in and make sure you received your technology. Are you happy? Are you able to use it? There's tutorials. There's videos. There's all other ways that we try to reach. And quite frankly, one of the most popular ones that we introduced in the past year has been an AI tool where we reach out to the customer with some chat technologies. And it's been very, very, <laughs> to us even a little bit surprisingly how high the adoption is <laughs> and how comfortable the folks are. And we see in RPM that it, it actually drives up reading adherence. So it seems to be a very comfortable way to communicate. There's actually been some surveys done by the insurance industry that shows that this elderly population uh, likes that type of virtual outreach by a large percentage. So we've, we've been deploying it and again, have been uh, delighted at how it's been adopted. Uh, I was wondering if you could uh, explain a little bit just of how the RPM uh, works, like in just a, you know, sort of on a typical, typical day for someone who's got it. Sure. Um, well, first you start with the physician, right? You start with their practice, the physician who knows the patient, and the physician has to place an order and say, you know, it's appropriate that Janet be monitored by our, uh, you know, remote patient monitoring. It's going to be mostly dictated by whatever diagnosis I have. You know, do I have a chronic condition? Do I have CHF? Do I have diabetes? Do I have some respiratory? Um, do I have, you know, something that where remote patient monitoring and watching trended data would be helpful to eliminate, you know, an ER visit most especially and or an unnecessary doctor visit. So physician writes the order um, and then, you know, we take over. We engage with the, we get a list from the physician's office. We engage with that list. We, sh we begin to ship and fulfill the order. We get the appropriate equipment. Again, already paired and known to that individual, and then we ship it to the patient's uh, address. When the patient opens it up, it's already working, and they simply need to, you know, if it's a blood pressure cuff, use it. If it's a glucometer, and then there's an extraordinary amount of supporting educational material for the customer to use, as well as, again, we check in. We check in through our AI tool, and we also check in with a call to see if there's any assistance that's required. And then we do periodic checks. So if we don't hear from somebody, you know, through a reading for, you know, a few days or so, we, we check in and say, everything okay? Do you need some help? Do you need support? So to, to keep that outreach going to the customer. Uh, and, and how's the link up with the physicians or the caregivers? Uh, you know, do you basically send them reports or how does that um, work? Think of it as a dashboard. So think of it as, um, you know, every patient that's being monitored for that physician's practice. Um, we will be, again, the signals will be coming from the devices. We will be aggregating those signals. We're going to post those signals to a dashboard. Uh, we're going to, to let the clinicians know whether those readings are inside or outside of parameters that they have set. You know, somebody said, uh, you know, they want Janet's blood pressure at a certain level. If we see the readings coming in trending outside of those levels, we'll go ahead and highlight that, uh, make sure that that's visible to the clinician. So, there's dashboarding and a lot of reporting done for the physician's office and the patients to make sure folks are in compliance with whatever, you know, guidelines the physician has set for that patient. Uh, and 
you know, I guess it's sort of an obvious question, but like, why is it better for older adults to stay at home uh, if they can, instead of going into a facility? It's a great question. Um, and again, when I arrived at Connect America, we were actually already in COVID. Um, and that it was, so as I began to understand the company and look at data, you could see it in our data because for us, the population, if you just look at the elderly component of our, of our, you know, customer, you would see that on a typical year, one of the main reasons a customer transitions is because that customer has gone to an assisted living or a senior care facility. And mm -hmm. you could see that trend line almost stopped with COVID. And we all know why, right? I mean, it was yeah. an unbelievably difficult and chaotic situation that was being dealt with. But now, again, if you look at data, which all we all have to do, Close to 90% of seniors um, will tell you that they would prefer to age at home. Not 88 to 90%. I mean, wow. that's extraordinary. Now, there are reasons for that, right? There is the comfort of being in, at home. There's a financial reason, right? Senior living can be very, very expensive yeah. for folks. But there is definitely um, an absolute desire for whenever possible that folks would like to age at home. And the, the, some of the statistics behind that are stunning because of that 90% that we want to make sure stay home, um, you know, over a third of those are alone. Right. So when we talk about folks at home, when we talk about let's supporting caregivers and care circles, and we do a lot of that, a lot of our, a lot of our outreach is to the families or friends of our, of our customers to the nature of what we do. But a third of people truly don't have that care circle. So then we do other things and other services and um, reach out, try to reach out to people. But, you know, loneliness is a is a very, very uh, key yeah. contributor to a deterioration. Um, so it's a it's a very interesting uh, area of the population that we try to deal with. And again, that's why I think that the human touch is always going to be a component of trying to take care of and help this, uh, this portion of the population. Um, and, you know, you kind of alluded to it earlier, but, you know, the the population of older adults is is only growing uh, seemingly exponentially, uh, you know, over the next, I guess, you know, 20 to 30 years, it's going to grow by almost, I think, double. So, uh, you know, how important are, are these technologies to kind of, uh, you know, help help these folks, I guess, stay out of facilities and, you know, maybe, you know, stay alive? But you, you ask a great question, right? Because if you just looked at it as a math problem, uh, as you said, the expansion in the population of folks that will have to be managed is extraordinary. As you said, almost going to be doubling. And there is <laughs> there is no infinite resource right. of clinical, of trained folks to take care of these people. There is no infinite you know number of beds. It's just there is there. This is a classic moment, you know, in a market where we do have to find the right technology. Technology is absolutely going to have to be part of the answer. And I think all of us are moving as fast as we can to figure out what are the right technologies and blend it with services, blend it with human touch to try to bend that curve. Um, and I, you know, that, that it is a compelling reason why we all need to wake up every day and stay focused on this. It's extraordinary. The data is daunting. Plus, I mean, there's also a shortage of caregivers, uh, you know, and, you know, which has certainly uh, been exacerbated by the, the pandemic. You know, I think we're seeing a lot of, you know, people leaving the profession, uh, you know, in you know, various forms. So that, that also is another challenge, right? 
couldn't agree with you anymore when, when I mentioned that there are no infinite resources. I mean, you, you hit, that is the number one, right? There is yeah. currently a clinical shortage. Today, there's a clinical right. shortage. Right, right. Where are we going to um, be in 10, so years? Now with, yeah. And, you know, and the, you know, given that shortage, then you beget the cost problem and everything else. But, yes, even if everybody wanted to, again, imagine there was no financial barrier, there simply is not enough supply of clinical resources. Definitely. What are, um, I guess, some hopes? I don't know if you have specific technologies in mind, but, you know, as we kind of move down the road, are there other kind of technologies that can be deployed that will sort of, uh, I guess, expand on what's already being done? I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, everybody's experimenting with technology. Everybody, we, there's wearables. Let's start with wearables. Mm -hmm. Again, some wearables are more senior friendly than others, but we're, we're at the early phases. There will be an expanding number of, you know, easy to wear, easy to, easy to tolerate wearables. I think we're not done with ambient technologies in the home. Um, you know, we do we do some things with voice. Clearly, there's other very famous companies that do things with voice, but voices, you know, definitely will we continue to be exploited. Again, I think there's sensor technology out there uh, where we will be able to detect things around motion. I mean, the goal here is going to be to try to do just enough monitoring so that you can get enough insight to be somewhat predictive and avoid. Um, you know, the, the avoid an event as well as try to be somewhat predictive of someone's deteriorating. You know, if Janet walked 5,000 steps for the last two weeks and all of a sudden I'm down to 1,000 steps, there's probably something going on. Right. Um, you know, and the other, the other thing we noticed that, that's, again, well documented with this population, I mean, people don't typically want to report these things, right? So you have to find to physicians or family members. So we, again, we have to find soft landing ways um, to help guide people into the best, you know, care plan, um, care delivery model as, as possible. And again, I think that's, again, seniors right now aren't very comfortable that if we see something, you can easily see them engaging then in the virtual telehealth visit, mm -hmm. right, to explore what's going on. So you, I think you're just going to be, begin to see more and more combinations of trying to meet the senior where they are and how they want to interact with the health system. Um. Will the effectiveness of these technologies increase sort of in the in the years and decades ahead just because everybody's so tech literate now that, you know, it'll be less of a transition for them as they get older? Like, you know, my mother's in assisted living now and, you know, she, you know, unfortunately she's getting very forgetful and, and you know, she's having trouble with the most basic of technologies. But, you know, I can imagine you know, when I, if I get into, you know, when I get into that age group in 20, 30 years, I'll have a leg up just because I've been using all this tech for so long. So do you see that sort of, um, you know, as a, as a boost to the effectiveness of these technologies? I think that there's in everyone, everyone's watching that, right? Because you know, here come the baby boomers, you know, the first generation and the generation, you know, after baby boomers that has never known life without smart technologies. But again, right. you, the thing that bends against that, that we all know, is what we have today in terms of our physical capabilities changes. Right. right? And that's, so it's not only the tech that's happening, but it's, it's aging. I mean, it's just, yeah. in, again, many people are going to age very well, and that's great, but some people are going to need some assistance. And uh, that's, again, I think where we talked, where we started the conversation. 
that the design of the technology has to adapt, has to anticipate, you know, that type of uh, the physical capabilities. Um, and just on the uh, personal emergency response uh, side of things, is it, I feel like we've been talking about the RPM more. Um, how does that differ from, you know, sort of as it stands now from, you know, the old kind of uh, life alert systems where, you know, you fall in and you can't get up that those commercials? Like, how is it different now than, say, 10, 20 years ago? Well, I think the technology is much, much lighter, much more graceful. It's also much more sensitive. So you have, you just don't have false events, right? I mean, the, the, the precision of the technology, um, it really knows when there's an incident that requires follow-up. Um, and so when you think about it too, I mean, everybody, that commercial is famous, I fall and I can't get up. But what's happening behind the scenes is as equally sophisticated and important because that signal is going somewhere. And that signal right. is being prioritized because it is an exclusively a, a 911 signal. And that 911 signal is going to a group of people who have been trained and are in call centers that are certified to handle that. And dispatch will happen in, you know, under 10 minutes, 99% of the time. So there's a value chain behind that emergency response technology that's been hardened over time. And it's, it's really quite extraordinary to watch happen. I mean, I've been in the call centers. It's the, the dispatching of the services across the, you know, different communities in the United States. It's just extraordinary. <laughs> But so it is the, the precision of the device itself has improved. The monitoring of the signals coming into the call centers, the, the, you know, the accuracy of where that device is pinging from and therefore the ability to dispatch exactly to that address. There's been just a tremendous amount of improvement across that value chain over the past several years. And uh, that's, that's exciting for us, and we take advantage of that. I mean, we have a big call center. It's one of the, one of the reasons why we you know, have the ability to reach out and personally touch people. Mm -hmm. um, we have customers who call every week and ask for a specific person because they built oh, wow. a relationship. Yeah. yeah. And I we're mean, happy to do that. You must get a lot of calls too, I would think. As I said, 850,000 yeah. signals a month wow. into the call center. Um, we get a lot of calls and, and I mean, most, I mean, you know, the lion's share of those calls are important and people need help. I mean, mm -hmm. the number one reason, you know, is if I've had an incident, but there's respiratory is in the top three. Yeah, yeah. Bleeding, bleeding is in the top five, right? And when I read, you know, when you read through the call logs, it's just, you know, again, there's transparency happening into the home through the technology that how the heck else would you know? Right, right. <laughs> you know. Well, Jan, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. This has been, uh, you know, it's obviously uh, very impressive, you know, that we've got these services uh, available now. And, and uh, it sounds like, you know, we're going to need them in the years to come. Yeah, I'm excited. I think that, again, I think that the uh, the tech itself will continue to, you know, evolve dramatically. But again, it's, to me, it's, it's like anything in healthcare, right? There's a reason why care is attached to the word health. Right. Um, it's never, it's not going to be a device that's going to solve everything. It's going to be a combination of the tech with the touch, right? And that's going to become the solution here of how we start to deal with that curve that you mentioned, you know, the number of uh, the folks that are going to enter this, you know, vulnerable category over the next decade. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much and uh, have a great day. You too. That wraps up episode 50 of PSQH, the podcast. Thanks for listening and I hope you join me next time. 
You can find more information about the podcast and listen to on-demand episodes at psqh.com. You can subscribe to the show on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify. Thanks again, and stay safe.